You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth Minister Andy Fidock. Today's reading is from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but from Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we are beginning a new series in the book of Galatians. This is a book in the New Testament of the Bible, and it's actually a letter. Uh, This series is called Freedom in Jesus. Because we're going to be doing this series for quite a while, I thought today I would set a scene of this letter so we know where we're situated as we look at it. So this letter is written to churches in a place called Galatia. Uh, If you're a bit of a geography buff, uh, you might like to know that Galatia is now modern day Turkey. That's the area we're talking about. So the letter that we're reading is written to these churches from a guy called Paul. If you haven't heard of Paul before, I would really encourage you to check out his story. You can find that story in Acts chapter 1. But just a quick synopsis, uh, Paul went from being a guy that absolutely hated Christians. Like he wanted to do everything he could to make life hard for Christians. He was uh, killing Christians, encouraging that to happen. Then he had an encounter with Jesus, had a massive turnaround, and he then made it his life mission to share Jesus with the world around him. So awesome story. Check it out. Paul, uh, he then went around on different missionary journeys, spreading the news about Jesus um, around the Roman Empire. And on one of these missionary journeys, he went to Galatia and he started up some churches there. So these people that Paul is writing to, he actually knows them pretty well. He's like mates with the Galatians. I want you to pretend now that you are a Galatian and you're sitting in the Galatian church and I've just received the letter from Paul. So I want you to pretend that for a little bit. Guys, we just got a letter from Paul written just specifically to us. It's exciting. We haven't heard from our friend for a while. Let's see what he says. You might want to get cozy. It looks like it's going to be a bit of a long letter. He likes to write. Alrighty. Oh, I'm excited. Paul, an apostle sent from men, nor, not sent from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, 
and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. That's us. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's nice. He says grace and peace to us. See what he says next. Oh, uh, I'm astonished that you have so quickly, you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It's a bit awkward. Paul is saying that evidently, you, people in Galatia, some of us are throwing each other into confusion and perverting the gospel of Christ. It's a bit awkward. All right, you can stop pretending to be a Galatian now. So who specifically is Paul talking about? Who are these people perverting the gospel? What is the gospel that they're perverting? And why is Paul so frustrated about it? Before we spend some time unpacking these questions in my talk, I want to take us on a little bit of a detour. You may have noticed that my arm is in a sling. Uh, if you're anything like me, you've noticed and been distracted by it for this last little while. So I thought I'd tell you what's going on for me. So I skateboard, but don't be very impressed, clearly not very well. Uh, about three weeks ago, I was skating along, just cruising to get somewhere. And I got to this path that was kind of bumpy. And I thought, ah, oh, it'll be fine. I think I'll just ride on anyway, instead of getting up and walking. Unfortunately, it was not fine. I rode for just a little bit and then I hit a rock and my board stopped and I like epically dive rolled off the board. Uh, if you know me and you've chatted to me in the last few weeks, I've definitely told you how well I fell because I did fall really well. But anyway, I injured myself and I jumped up and I was like, oh, oh, it's a bit sore. Um, and I, I started to walk away from where the injury happened, but the pain was like, starting to increase quite a bit and I thought oh I think I should text my dad like I think I should text him and say hey dad I've injured myself could you please pray because I'm in a lot of pain I knew that this was a thing I should do but I was feeling pretty apprehensive about texting my dad because just that morning uh, when I was leaving the house my dad was like Andy, are you really gonna skate today? Like, is that really a good idea? And I was like, yeah, dad, I'm a good skater. And he's like, you're not even gonna take your safety gear. I was like, no, I don't need my safety gear. I'm just going on straight paths. And plus I wanna look cool. Um, and then dad was like, oh, you're so silly, Andy. Uh, side note is that now I definitely think that wearing safety gear is cool. So I think that that's cleared up for me now. But anyway, I knew that this message that I was going to send my dad about my accident was not going to be good news for him. In Paul's letter to the Galatians in verse six and seven, he says, you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Now this word gospel actually means good news and people reading that word at the time would have known gospel equals good news. So, uh, that's why when we read stories about Jesus in the Bible, we call them the Gospels of Jesus because they're the good news about what Jesus has done when he came to earth. Unlike the story that I had to tell my dad about my accident, which was bad news, the stories that we have about Jesus and what he's done is really good news. What Paul is saying to the Galatians is that 
There are some people in your churches that are perverting this good news about Jesus. So much so that it's not actually good news anymore. The series that we're doing is called Freedom in Jesus, and it's the freedom that we find in Jesus that is this good news. So I want you to imagine for a moment this time that you've just received the best news you've ever received. Maybe it was finding out that you had a grandchild was just born, or uh, maybe that someone that you really love just recovered from an illness. Or maybe the best news you've ever received was that your footy team got into the grand final. Whatever that is, imagine that sensation you had of that joy when you got that good news. That feeling that you have, what Jesus did, is even better news. Because Jesus coming to earth, what that actually was, was God choosing to step into history uh, to save and heal all creation for all time. Like that's a, that's a huge thing to happen. So that's really good news. And because we are part of God's creation um, as humans, that means that we're invited into this healing work that Jesus did when he came to earth. Part of what Jesus was doing, part of his mission was to give everyone the opportunity to follow him with their lives, uh, to trust in Jesus. So that instead of us trying to rescue ourselves from suffering, um, from the mistakes we make, from the way that we've hurt other people, all the sin in our life, Jesus came so that he would do it for us. He would do that saving. So when he died on the cross for us, that's what he was doing. He was taking on all our sin um, so that we didn't have to, so that he broke the barrier between us having a good relationship with God. That is what this good news is. That is the freedom that we have in Jesus. And then about a month ago when we celebrated Easter Sunday, we know that Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He then rose back to life. And that's a promise that we are now given, that if we put our trust in Jesus and we choose to follow him, that we are going to have eternal life and be raised again from dead, from the death. <laughs> so that means that Jesus wasn't just a cool guy that taught um, ways to love people well. Uh, he's not just a guru that we can choose to follow to spiritually guide us through this life. But he is so much more than that. He is the savior of the whole world. It is through Jesus alone, God's son, that we can be saved. Although the reality is that even though Jesus has given us that opportunity for all of time, that we can choose him, be forgiven, have eternal life. Right now, we still make mistakes. We still get hurt like I did with my arm. And I know I actually haven't told you what the injury is, so I'm going to tell you that now. So after I texted my dad my bad news, I kept walking towards a park bench waiting for my boyfriend Jacob to come and help me out. Um, I got to the bench and I felt my eyes just started to well up with tears. I was like, I was like, God, I don't know if I'm crying because I'm in pain or because I'm frustrated that I hurt myself, but I'm, I'm really like struggling right now. Long story short, we ended up heading to the hospital. I got an x-ray done and I have fractured my collarbone. And I got thinking the other day, what if the doctor had got it wrong? Like, what if they hadn't got me to get an x-ray and they just said, oh, Andy, it's actually just a soft tissue injury. So I'll just get you to ice it overnight and then tomorrow you'll be good to go. Or if the doctor even said, oh, you actually just have very weak arms. So before you go, I'm going to watch you do some push-ups and then you can go. You don't need a sling at all. If a doctor had misdiagnosed what I had done to my arm, they would have ended up doing way more harm than good. 
And that is why Paul gets so angry in his letter. Because what people are saying is that to be healed from sin, what Jesus has done is not enough. Later on in Galatians chapter 6, so later on in this letter, we read that people are saying that Christians had to be circumcised. So you've probably heard what circumcision is, but essentially it was a Jewish practice that when a male baby was born, eight days later, later, the foreskin of the penis would be removed. And God had asked his people to do that as a way to um, sort of separate them, show that these were God's chosen people that he was going to save the world through. And he did because eventually Jesus, who was a Jew, um, came and he did save the world. But the thing is that when Jesus came, he made a way that all people could become God's chosen people by putting their trust in him. It was no longer just Jewish people, people who'd been circumcised, but everyone, including Gentiles. Now, Gentiles was a way, um, is a way of describing people that weren't Jews. So most of the people in Galatia, these were Gentile people. It can be easy for us to think as we listen to Paul's letter, like, you're making a pretty big deal about this circumcision thing. Like, is it really that bad for people to still be getting circumcised? And I thought circumcision was kind of just like a choice. Like, is it really that bad? The thing is that circumcision isn't really the problem here. The thing is that by people saying that they had to be circumcised, they were saying, for Jesus to save you, you have to be a Jew. They were saying that once you're a Jew, you're God's chosen people, then Jesus can save you. So it was a misdiagnosis of the problem of sin in people's lives, saying that sin is a sickness that only Jewish people can be healed from. But Jesus is a really good doctor, and he says to all people really clearly how it is that we are to be saved. Jesus said later on, um, in an, actually earlier on in another part of the Bible, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To be saved, we choose to follow Jesus and accept him with our lives because he is the only way that we, he can, we can be saved and have a right relationship with God. Jesus also said in another place, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Because it's Jesus alone that saves us. He's the one that gives us eternal life. Um, nothing can snatch us out of his hands or make him hold us tighter. Not good works or certain rituals like circumcision. But it's Jesus alone. Adding things to how we are to be saved is actually really dangerous. Like how a misdiagnosis of my arm and my problem would have been really harmful for me. By introducing things like circumcision, like I've said, it's saying that what Jesus has done isn't enough. We also have to do something to be saved. This kind of thing still happens today, uh, not with circumcision per se, but with other false gospels that we can believe. Sometimes these are false gospels that we're actually just believing in our own heads. Maybe at times you've noticed yourself thinking, yeah, Jesus saved me, but I think I also just have to be a really good person and not make mistakes for God to really love me. Or maybe you're not even consciously thinking that, but there are symptoms in your life that you're believing a false gospel. So that could be that um, you feel a lot of guilt about not reading your Bible enough or praying enough. You just like, oh, I don't think I'm a good enough Christian. 
Or sometimes the symptom is that we're looking at other Christians and saying, are they really saved by Jesus if they're still living like that? And a way more dramatic example of a false gospel is throughout history, there has been cults that have based their teaching on Jesus, but then they've added like a whole lot of other stuff on top of it, saying things like, okay, Jesus, but also um, you have to do this certain amount of good works and rituals to be saved or Jesus, but you also have to give us all your money. Otherwise, you're not truly a believer. Things like that, which are just Jesus plus other things. The problem with this kind of misdiagnosis is that even if someone tells us the wrong gospel and they have a good intention, they think it's the right thing, it's still going to do lots of damage. Like how even if the doctor thought they were telling me the right thing, but they got it wrong, it would still do me damage. When I was a St. John's youth, um, a few years ago, I remember one week in my youth life group, we were all sitting around in someone's lounge room, just chatting about God. And one of my friends had this like, whoa, God moment where she felt like God gave her this kind of picture to understand something. And she goes to us, no guys, I think that following Jesus is like following a compass. Jesus is north on the compass. He is the way, the truth and the life. Now, other things might come along, and say, sure, Jesus is the way, like he's north on the compass, but we also have to be circumcised to be made right with God. Or Jesus is the way, but also we need to have good acts. <laughs> we need to do certain things to be saved. Or any other false gospel that I've mentioned or that comes to mind for you. These things might even seem so close to the truth uh, that it looks like it's north. But the reality is, if you've ever followed a compass before, even if you're one or two degrees off, uh, after you go for a while, eventually you're going to end up kilometers away from where north was pointing. That's why Paul is so firm about this. He says in verse 8 and then repeats himself in verse 9 to get his point across. He says, If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. Because Paul knows that what begins as just a small difference to the truth about Jesus ends up taking us far from where God is calling us to go. Paul is not angry because he doesn't like the Galatians. He's not angry because he has some weird thing against circumcision. He's angry because he really loves them and wants what's best for them. Because only the true gospel of Jesus Christ brings true freedom. Perhaps this is your first time hearing a talk from a church. Um, it all sounds like, yeah, interesting what I'm saying, but you're thinking, yeah, Andy, you say that only through Jesus we can be saved. But from what I know about Christians, I'm pretty sure you guys are supposed to be good people and not swear, wait until marriage to have sex and not tell lies, be kind to poor people, all that kind of stuff. And if you're thinking this, you're kind of right. These are really great things for us to do. In fact, in the Bible, these are things that God encourages us to do as his followers. But they are not the things that save us. Rather, we choose to live differently as followers of Jesus because of what he's done as a way for us to say, thank you, God, for what you've done. Now I want to live in a way that pleases you. And something that I continually discover and find crazy about what 
um, this means for us is that God doesn't just invite us to do this to say thank you to him. He also invites us to do this because it's for our benefit. I'm going to use my um, <laughs> one last diamond example to play, explain this. I have to wear this um, sling for six weeks all up. It's pretty restrictive. Like I can't drive at the moment. Washing my hair has been a bit of a pain. Even getting this letter out of the envelope was a little bit tricky. The sling definitely at the moment doesn't give me a sense of freedom. But in three more weeks when it's finally time for me to take it off for good, I'm going to be so thankful for the restriction of this sling because it now means that my arm is healed, I'm no longer in pain and I can move freely. Sometimes the discipline that God encourages us to is actually for our own good. It's actually for our freedom, even though it feels restrictive. Like this sling is helping me to heal. Sometimes the restriction is to keep us on that path, to keep pointing north at Jesus, to not step off and be distracted by things that are going to take us far away from the truth or not to hurt ourselves, but actually to gain more and more healing along the way. As I finish today, I want to leave a few minutes for you to reflect on a couple of questions. I'd even encourage you to maybe write this in your phone and take this with you into the week. But what they are is, what symptoms are there in my life that I'm believing a false gospel? So like I mentioned before, things like, are you believing that you're not a good enough Christian? Or that you're judging others that they're not a good enough Christian? Or maybe it's some other false gospel that you believe that it's Jesus plus something else that is going to save you. And my last question for you is, ask God, what discipline are you calling me to that is actually for my freedom? Like how my sling is going to eventually lead to my healing.